collusion. Is it as bad as it hurt? Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's worse. Hey podcast listeners, for this episode we're going to shift away from the usual format and instead we're going to play the extended version of an interview that Tony had about a year ago with Craig Brelsford, an American birder living in Shanghai and the author of the Shanghai Birding website, blog, etc. There's a lot of amazing stuff on Craig's website and on his social media. I like to highlight one post that really drew our attention titled, White-bellied green pigeon, or how we slogged our way through the Shanghai smog and picked up a lifer. It sort of has everything. It's got a great birding find. It's got, you know, wetlands near an urban area under development pressure, and it includes smog very much as a as a weather feature that naturalists in Shanghai, birders in particular, uh, have to contend with when they're just going out to to look for cool birds. So. As usual, um, if you do like the podcast, please do let people know about it. We want you to, to tell your friends, to email your friends, send your friends postcards, tell them on Facebook, on Twitter, Snapchat, you name your social media. If you could share the podcast there, we'd love it. The other thing to do is to please rate us on your podcasting platform of choice, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, or something else that we're not so aware of. Feel free to get in touch with us at urbanwildlifecast.com at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at HerbWildlifeCast. Uh, it's easy to find us on Facebook, all those ways. Please let us know what you're thinking. And if you have any ideas for episodes or topics or want to record a little something about urban wildlife nature where you are or where you might be visiting, we'd love to have it. We'd love to put it on the episode. Um, so with that, thank you very much for listening, and we'll give you Craig and Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm great. It is nice to uh, connect with you. Hold on, let me put my earpiece in. Fantastic. So when you, you know, you're all about birding Shanghai. Now, is it more about like using Shanghai as a base to get out into the general region? Or how much do you actually bird within the city limits of Shanghai? Good question. Um, If you look at my year in review... You will see uh, the, 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 the owl and the crane thing that I talked about. You will see that I, my wife, who is my constant companion, we're always together, and I noted 650 birds in the world last year. Of those, 227 were within the city limits of Shanghai, more than a third. So that sort of gives you an indication of how much time we're spending in Shanghai. We are very much interested in the idea of urban birding. Uh, and especially in what is, by some measures, the largest city in the world, Shanghai. I love Urban uh, Wildlife Podcast because you guys have the same basic concept as I, which is to um, see how birds manage in a um, in an urban environment. That being said, uh, Shanghai is a major transportation hub, and we do not limit ourselves to Shanghai. We look at ourselves as a... Um, as a major metro newspaper, for example, like the New York Times or something, the New York Times focuses on uh, local local um, stories, but it also, you know, has a national section. 
in a city as big as Shanghai, we don't limit ourselves to Shanghai, but we consider all of China to be, you know, of interest. Yeah, I kind of roll the same way where yesterday, Billy and I, you know, we, we biked up all the way to, well, it wasn't even that far, but 10 miles or so. Philly's, you know, not as big as Shanghai, but Philly's still a huge city. Yes. So we were, we rode 10 miles and we weren't even near the edge of, of the city yet. But we right. rode up to the industrial area, burning at a sewage treatment plant and on the docks. And then today I hopped <laughs> in a car and we went down to Cape May to chase a varied thrush. Oh, so, okay. So that's how, you know, I roll the same way where I spent a lot of time in Philly, but we often, we often leave the, the city and, and bird the greater region. Um, right. When you, how, how can you not when Cape May is in your backyard? Exactly. And, you know, Shanghai is, um, is deceptive in a way because China organizes some of its huge urban areas into kind of city province types, like Washington, D.C., for example, only much bigger. So Shanghai City, the municipality, is actually the size of Delaware. You, you're probably familiar with Delaware. Okay. Uh, it's about the size of Delaware, but it's got 25 million people in it. But even with 25 million people in it, there are clear urban areas and suburban areas. So when we say we're birding in Shanghai, we're not always birding with skyscrapers right next to us. Uh, we're in officially the city of Shanghai, but we're out on the coast where um, the, the horizons are broad and there aren't so many skyscrapers. But we also do a lot of birding in the inner city parks on the Huangpu River, for example, where uh, gulls can mass in their hundreds. You know, just so you know, uh, Shanghai is not only big in population, but it covers a large area. And some of those areas are not what you'd think of as inner city, you know. Right. And, and w yes, we are from a, you know, we're based in Philly, which is pretty dense from end to end. I mean, there's a few areas that are a bit more suburban, but they're, they're few and far between. And even those are would be considered urban. They're about as, you know, they would be. The, the the suburban areas within Philly city limits are like would be like Los Angeles or like Houston. Yeah. You know, not every but other people live in these big sprawling cities out out in the west, and you know we have to consider that yeah. wildlife as well. We can't just consider it these super dense, you know, you know, uh, city, you know, cities like yeah. Philly or Shanghai or New York City. Right. Um. So that that's 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 awesome. So tell me about the climate of Shanghai. You know, I, I unfortunately I I'm not as up on China's geography as I as I as I think I should be. Right. Uh, I've I've been the I've been to Hong Kong, but I haven't been burning mainland China. So could you tell me a little bit about like and for and also for our view our listeners, you know, is what kind of climate is it? What what, what kind of um so they have more an idea? It's a bit more. Uh, we're at 31 degrees north latitude here. I believe that's about the same as um Georgia. Something like that. You get um, you get a lot of uh, rain here, a lot of cloudy weather, and a lot of uh, effects from the sea. There are occasional typhoons, hurricanes, and things like that. Um, we are considered to be in the south. We are, you know, Shanghai is on the Yangtze River. It's just south of it, and the Yangtze River is traditionally considered to be the dividing line between North and South China. It's the mouth of the Yangtze River, one of the great rivers of the world, sort of like the Mississippi. And before it was dammed up, uh, the Yangtze would deposit tons of silt 
In fact, one of the main birding areas in Shanghai City, Chongming Island, is nothing but a huge sandbar. And it uh, you know, was formed by the Yangtze River only about a thousand years ago. So tons of silt wash over, uh, wash into the sea. The sea around here is um, a natural brown color. It is not, you know, uh, like Florida, you know, where you can go right. uh, diving and stuff like that. It's it's uh, naturally uh, muddy. Um, it's a muddy area out on that coast because you've got the Yangtze traditionally uh, dumping tons and tons of silt uh, every day. So we are on the east coast of China. We are on the East Asian Australasian Migratory Flyway. That extends from Alaska all the way to New Zealand. And uh, that makes it, that makes uh, Shanghai a very exciting place to be, and, and, and Shanghai and nearby places. A very exciting place to be during migration season. You can get, um, you know, 100 birds in a day in the Shanghai area. And as I said, we we accumulated 227 in Shanghai alone this past day in 2015. So it's well positioned on the east edge of Eurasia. Yeah, and it's a south, so we get more wintering birds. Uh, many birds do winter here too. It's just I like to insist that this is a green city, and I like to tell Chinese friends of mine that you know that's an aspect of Shanghai. Whether they listen to that is another thing, <laughs> but at least I tell them, look at the natural heritage of this city. It's it's pretty big, pretty powerful. Is there much of a homegrown birding scene in, in Shanghai? Well, it depends on what you compare it to. If you compare it to the United States, uh, Western countries, you know, Britain, Sweden, where there's a high, high penetration of birding into the common culture, I would say no. We've got, uh, there's 25 million people in Shanghai City. That's the equivalent of a mid-sized European country. If there was anything even close to the interest among those 25 million people as there is, say, among the 320 million people in the United States, then the Shanghai Birding Club would have 10,000 members or something or more. Right. But it certainly does not. I don't even know the direction things are going in. Uh, I wouldn't even say that I'm positive that in 25 years there's going to be a big birding community in China. I cannot say that. There's no indication either way. But right now, the young people generally don't have enough time to do those sorts of things. And older people sometimes do. And what is more popular in China is bird photography, where usually men age 50 or over either retire or are semi-retired. And they go around with um, big cameras and, and photograph birds. Uh, but it's not really it's not really birding. You know, it's just um, right. there's a setup or somebody found an owl and and there's 50 photographers taking a picture of an owl, as happened a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Things like that. So yeah. there, it's not a very big birding community, but there are birders. There are birders, Chinese, and there's a, a, a very big foreign community, community here in, uh, in Shanghai. Uh, in the hundreds of thousands, it's a, probably a couple hundred thousand uh, foreigners living here. And so there is a little bit of activity among the foreigners.
And that uh, leads to another little topic here, which is so interesting about China, which is that it's so underburdened. There is actual, you can actually discover things, uh, brand new things. Uh, the thing about birding in the States is, um, so for example, I'm in Texas and I couldn't tell whether it was a western meadowlark or an eastern meadowlark, right? But we were at Padre Island National Seashore and I said to Elaine, I said, but we're going to find out in about 10 minutes. We drove to the ranger station, started talking. Three rangers are, are facing me, and they all tell me it was a western meadowlark. <laughs> I mean, it was like that simple, that easy. You're going to get your answer. In China, you have a lot of bewildering moments, but on the other hand, you can make discoveries. You can, um, so for example, few, few or no people have ever found 227 species in the city limits of Shanghai in one year, as, as Elaine and I did this past year, 2015. So there's, there's a little bit of a pioneering feeling here, which is, which is fun, even though it's difficult. Is there like an established list of species for Shanghai, and have you added any to that list? Have you uh, found new birds for Shanghai? Um, there, is, uh, there is a list. A few people keep a list. It uh, adds up to, um, what was it, 400 and, 440 species. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, what would, what would I have added? There might be one and I can't remember what it is right now. Uh, oh, there was one. It's slipping my mind right now. Uh, but it's not many. Uh, it's not many. There have been birders here over the years and, you know, things have been, have been found. I just haven't been lucky enough to get a lot of brand new species for, for Shanghai. I, I technically have one for Philly, but it's. Uh-huh. It's a uh, contentious because after a hurricane uh, saw a uh, a bridal turn, but everybody else counted it from the New Jersey. It was flying up the river, and everybody else counted it from the New Jersey side. Even though we were all in Philadelphia, they considered it to be on the other side of the river, therefore in New Jersey. <laughs> However, in my mind, I'm personally concerned if I can see it from Philadelphia, I count it for Philadelphia because. As a Philadelphian, you know, and I work for Parks and Rec and everything, and I was on Parks and Rec property, you know, I like to think about what we can see in Philadelphia. And yeah. as long as I can see it for Philadelphia, I count it for Philadelphia. But other people ha- think it has to be, like, you know, within the actual water. But... <laughs> yeah. We don't actually have that problem in Shanghai. <laughs> yeah. So um, you talked about this uh, hunt for this uh, green pigeon. Which species of green pigeon was it? It's a white-bellied green pigeon. Now, green pigeons. I've seen them in Southeast Asia. They're they're a lot more. They're they're not normally found that far north. Uh, no, they are actually because they're uh, that bird was probably from Japan. In Japan, white-bellied green pigeon uh, is not an uncommon bird, I, from what I understand. I haven't birded in, um, in 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 Japan much. Also in Taiwan, they were common. I birded Taiwan, so I, I've seen them in several places. And I believe they're on the mainland, but they're just very scarce. And um, that is just an example of the kinds of rarities that occur on a coastal birding route, as you know, living in Philly. Uh, things just show up. And, you know, you're yeah. talking about the geography of uh, Shanghai and China. Unlike the United States, where we have an east coast, but uh, the Chinese have land there's land still to the east, even though you're on the sea. So you got major land masses like the Japanese islands, 
Taiwan, which are, you know, out. And so birds can, you're not only getting birds flying down the East Coast and back up again, as you would in the Eastern United States, but you get birds that are coming in from land to the East and crossing the sea. And that was probably the case with the green, uh, the white-bellied green pigeon. And it's certainly not the only one. We had a Japanese scops owl at, at this place called Nanhui, which is southeastern Shanghai City on the coast. So we had a Japanese, uh, Japanese scops owl, a very rare record on uh, wow. mainland, yeah, mainland China. How, how close are you to, what are the, the Poyong Lakes? Poyong Lake, uh, be that's I, I don't know what it is in miles. Uh, it's um, an overnight train ride, and you're there basically, like a seven-hour train ride on the bullet train. Uh, huh. And you're that's, I I was mistaken that for some reason I thought it was near Shanghai. Well, it's um, it's sort of it's sort of it's close enough that um, y- you know uh, a lot of people fly into Shanghai and then overnight to uh, Nanchang and then. And then go to Poyong Lake. Poyong Lake is uh, is famous. Siberian crane spends the winter there. Yeah, it's it's something I've thought about uh, trying to do to see the yeah. bird. Yep, yep. Uh, do you get uh, any cranes in Shanghai? Oh yes, one hundred or so hooded cranes spend the winter within the city limits of Shanghai on that island I was telling you about, Chongming. Wow. So about a hundred. Uh, they should be there right now. Uh, I saw them a few weeks ago. Uh, they're regular there. They they spend the winter there. There is a nature reserve set up for them and the many other species that uh, that live on the eastern edge of that island. Nice thing to see. Common crane also um, associate with them with the hooded cranes. Wow. Both gorgeous birds. I've never seen a hooded. I've, I've seen common cranes, but not hooded cranes. Wow. Right, right, right. You know, East Asia is um, crane central, right? Yeah, I've um, I've seen red crowned in uh, yeah. Japan. Oh yes, yes, yes. We saw red crowned um, just uh, this month, uh, earlier this month, up at a place called Yancheng, which is uh, three hundred, uh, two hundred miles uh, north of of Shanghai, and it is a established place for um, wintering red crowned cranes. And we consider that in, you know, we look at it again like the New York Times. We consider that our metro area. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, we yeah. cover Yancheng. We cover uh, even down to uh, Zhejiang, the uh, mountains in Zhejiang. So that 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 to us is the Shanghai region, and then there's the Shanghai city, which, which is uh, the political within political boundaries of Shanghai. Uh, besides birds, is there any other wildlife that might people might find um, particularly remarkable that you right. that you see in in right. Shanghai? Right. The carnivore that lives in the inner city, I mean, right down into the very deepest depths of the city, is Siberian weasel. They, wow. uh, we think, my, my theory is that they've just always been here. Uh, they're all over. Uh, they're all over from Russia all the way down into Southeast Asia. So they've always been in the region, and I think they've always been in the area. I'd say that the weasels that are living here now were not brought in or didn't migrate in. I think they've just always been here, and as the city built up, they just sort of got out of the way and then moved back in when it was all settled down. A park would go up. Are these, like, mm-hmm. teeny tiny weasels, or are they, like, fairly good-sized? You know? uh, they're, you know, they're long and thin. Um, 
they're they're like weasels. They're they're your typical sized weasel. Uh, you know, about as large as a cat or something like that. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I've seen like you know, short-tailed weasels, and they're like, I mean, they're tiny. They're they're yeah. they're like you know, they're probably like a chip, like a long thin chipmunk, you know, <laughs> size. Um, yeah, Siberian weasel would be the one thing that comes to mind. Now there have been reintroductions. I think we talked about this. Uh, Chinese water deer have been reintroduced to a park with plenty of uh, forest up in the, the Pudong area of uh, Shanghai. Uh, but those were animals that were basically wiped out and then brought back from some other area. And they've been there for years, uh, maybe five or more years, and they're doing okay. Uh, well, I mean, as far as I know, because every time I go, I, I scare one up. <laughs> and um, uh, there was an experiment with raccoon dogs, a very interesting, a very interesting animal. Uh, raccoon. Well, Billy is obsessed with raccoon dogs, so yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll be very pleased. Yeah, somebody put raccoon dogs in another park, but I've never seen them, and I don't know how well they're doing. The animals that could be here but are not would be amazing animals like Yangtze River alligator, the only other species of alligator in the world besides the American alligator. Uh, I've only seen them in zoos. Uh, I just don't think they live. They don't live in Shanghai City, that's for sure. And then there was the Yangtze River dolphin, which um, is almost certainly extinct, just wiped out, gone. Uh, and if you look, if you look at the Yangtze River when you cross any of the bridges, you'll see why these animals wouldn't be living there. It's a, it's a highway, you know. On any given day, you go across the bridge, uh, linking, uh, linking Shanghai with Jiangsu, and you're going to see 50 large vessels in the, uh, in the river. You know, it, and it's smog everywhere, smog everywhere. So Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about the air yeah, pollution? Yeah, um, air pollution. Is it as bad as I've heard? Yeah, it's uh, – no, it's worse. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, it's hard to imagine uh, what it's like uh, until you've actually been here and lived in it. Uh, there's a website called aqicn.org that you could check. It has reliable – air pollution indexes for most of the world. And like the other day, I was looking at my uh, my hometown down in Florida, uh, and the AQI was 25. And on that same day in Ch in uh, Shanghai, it was 200. Very unhealthy. And it affects, uh, it affects everybody, but some people worse than others. And, uh, yeah, in your email, you talked about uh, the effect on birding. Uh, when you're birding in Shanghai, then you're exposed to the same exact air that anybody living in the urban area would be exposed to. And it's a, it's a true uh, hazard, especially if you're out, you know, eight hours burning. Uh, you'll have a he yeah. at least I will have a headache at the end of the day. Uh, wow. um, and however, we've got air purifiers in the house. So when you get back home, you you have the clean air of your house. But it, it is tough. And because one city merged into the next here, uh, just to give you an indication, uh, Jiangsu, right, Jiangsu is smaller than the state of Pennsylvania, and it has 80 million people. It's about, uh, I think, uh, uh, Shanghai, uh, uh, Jiangsu is uh, maybe four-fifths the size of Pennsylvania in size, maybe less, and it has 80 million people. I think Pennsylvania has like 10 or 12 million people, and we, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh originally. Uh, I'm sure you and I probably thought growing up that Pennsylvania was one of the more populous states of the United States, right? 
Yeah. They got 80 million people. And Jiangsu alone, which is just north of Shanghai, Jiangsu alone has a GPP, a gross provincial product, one-third that of India. One-third that wow. of India. So India, with its billion people, only has three times the GDP of Jiangsu. So it's a total economic powerhouse with people packed in and very economically active and productive. So you can, and plus, they lack the, they lack the culture of conservation. They just don't have it. Uh, so you can imagine what's, what's being spewed out into the air in Jiangsu alone. Then you add another 25 million here in, uh, here in, in Shanghai. And another 60 million in, um, in, in Zhejiang. You're approaching half of the population of the United States right there in just three rather small, uh, jurisdictions. And all of it is pumping out, uh, air pollution, uh, water pollution, uh, you name it. It's weird. I, I have, I have asthma. Um, yeah. but yet I am so intrigued by what you tell me that i feel like i need to go and experience it for myself despite probably being in a state of discomfort the whole time uh-huh you may well be but everybody has a different uh, reaction it's interesting only this year have i had bad reactions i was uh, very uh, very sick around new year's uh, new year's day um and that's because we had lived without air purifiers for years uh but then i said uh, we have to have air purifiers and that helps because uh, when the as bad as the air is outside, when you do when you get home, you do have good air. Um, but because I hadn't had such bad reactions in my previous years here, I never used purifiers. Um, so people change over time, and then everybody's different. But if you've got asthma, uh, I would say uh, watch out in China. Watch out in eastern China, at least. Oh, well, what, one question that comes to mind is the um, how are the green spaces? Um organized are they is it is there a park system is it just like areas that just ha for whatever reason haven't been developed yet like where are you birding in like and what you know why are they still green areas yes that, that's a good question uh it's both there are managed areas and then there are places that uh, development just hasn't gotten to yet uh as for the latter those places are fewer and fewer the place that we were talking about called nanhui which is the eastern, southeastern uh, part of Shanghai City in the Pudong area. Um, that place, uh, they just basically, the government basically built an, a satellite city. And now it's building out uh, toward the coast. And there are bulldozers and backhoes all over the place. Um, they've, already, they've already destroyed a lot of the reed beds around there. Um, and I don't know what the final plan is going to be. Another thing is land reclamation on the coast. What they do is, because it's a muddy, uh, very, uh, how do you say, gently sloping coastline, it's, it's a little bit simpler for the engineers to reclaim, uh, reclaim mudflats and turn it into um, dry land. That's happening in Shanghai City, too. Uh, what that'll mean is, uh, millions of birds have depended on the the mud off of the coast of Asia there uh, so that they can, you know, I mean, it's a rich feeding area supporting in, in historical 
times, uh, you know, millions of birds. And what happens now is, uh, like, for example, you can see it in Shanghai. They ex they build uh, first, um, like, jetties out, and then they connect the jetties out in the sea with a massive wall so that what happens is the 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 water the the seawater doesn't like wash over the mud and then recede what it does is it goes up and down a massive wall and the mud is never exposed and so those birds that depended on mud flats are uh have nothing nowhere to go and that is definitely wow. happening uh all over the coast of china I've been up and down the Jiangsu coast all over. I've I've been all over the Shanghai coast, and I've seen it with my own eyes. They're leaving uh, very very little of those mud flats, but there's still some. So you can still you know go out and and, and see uh, thousands of birds. In, in the inner city, there's uh, several good parks, well run parks, uh, clean, and, and they charge admission. And one is based on Central Park in in, in New York City. It's called Century Park, and it's the one that I recommend on ShanghaiBirding.com as the one park to go to to uh, to find birds. You can find a good um, 35 species on a fall or winter's day in Century Park. I don't know how that compares to uh, uh, Central Park in uh, in New York. Probably not quite as good, but uh, 35 isn't bad. And, and you get migrants, and you get winter winter visitors. Uh, and that is very interesting, especially if you if you're unfamiliar with Asian or Chinese birds. That's a great place to begin. It's fine, really. The inner city parks work. Uh, they work just like you know inner city parks in 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 other major major urban areas. You get uh, a lot of passerines, and 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 it's a good place. Yeah, and then there's always a chance of something, you know, interesting showing up in migration. Uh yeah, sure, sure, like. Uh, like Japanese robin showing up in uh, Century Park a few years ago, you know, very tit uh, had a eruption. They spilled over probably from Korea, northern China, and they came all the way down to uh, Jiangsu and, uh, and Shanghai, and were in all the to Shanghai parks. And that was that was in 2012, and then they haven't been back since, or I haven't seen them since. You know, you get things like that because you're on the coast. You get uh, you get these unusual birds like fairy pitta in uh, in yeah. Gongcheng Park, uh, the beautiful um, multicolored bird. Uh, it just showed up in a in a park in Gongcheng. Uh, you know we had the northern goshawk in that park. I just said Gongcheng, one of the major parks in the in the urban urbanized part of Shanghai. Yeah, right there. If if you're if you're just coming to Shanghai, you don't know much about the birds of China. Those are great places to begin, and you won't really be disappointed. The disappointment comes in when you go out to the coast and you see that, you know, something like 99% of it is going to be affected in some major way by by man, you know, uh, and a, and a, and so little of it is being preserved, and it's going to have it's already having. It's going to have such a huge effect on those birds that, again, some of them fly all the way from Alaska, those godwits, uh, bar-tailed godwits flying from Alaska all the way, in some cases, to New Zealand. Well, imagine if it was like Interstate 95, right? And you want to get from Maine to Florida, but the area around, you know, midway down, like, say, around D.C., is full of landmines. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah, exactly. That's what it's like for these birds. When you're up in Alaska, Siberia... 
things look uh, pretty much the way they've always looked for thousands of years. But when you when these birds uh, get down to um, to Jiangsu and, and, and Hebei and and Shanghai, Zhejiang, and then they need to run they need to run through that. They're not adapted for that. They're adapted for. I mean, they can fly for you know days on end, but still, when they need that rest, they're not getting it. Uh, and so you know numbers are are dropping. Uh, if you look at the um, what's that website, the IUCN. Uh, recently, there have been a lot of upgrades, or is it downgrades, uh, of many birds, like birds that were threatened. Birds that were near threatened went to threatened. Birds that were threatened went to endangered. You know, the trend is all downhill, and a lot of that is because of things you can see right in the city limits of Shanghai. You look out, you see them reclaiming land. You see them building golf courses right on top of the, the sea, which is not even a beautiful view because it's brown. Uh, and then you understand why the, the, uh, the waders, the shorebirds of the world, of, of East Asia, are having so much trouble. It's um, to a large extent because of what's happening on the China coast. And you can see that from, from this city, Shanghai. Wow, that is... You know, it's kind of sad to end on this depressing note, but yeah. in terms of the podcast, I don't think I've really even thought about this before because waiters, you know, they they breed in these unbelievably remote places. Right. You know, these uh, shorebirds, we call them shorebirds in the U.S. And, yes. Um, waiters in Europe, they call them, they call them waiters. Uh, but like sandpiper, it, I remember I'm, just, I'm talking to people who don't aren't birders necessarily, you know, our general listeners, but, you know, sandpipers, plovers. Godwood's curlews, right. they breed in like in like tundra, you know, ponds like melt, you know, ponds of melting permafrost in 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 boreal forest bogs in the most remote places in the world. But they winter, you know, they need mudflats, so they winter, you know, almost exclusively along the coast, and right. that is where so much urban, you know, urban development happens. So it's amazing how this bird breeds in the most remote places in the world can be so affected by urbanization. Exactly. And well, I hate to end on a depressing note, but um, that is a that just shows that you know we we try to make this podcast more about celebrating urban wildlife, but we can't you know we can't sugarcoat the the issues, and we also want to make sure that comes across as well. Well, you but know, if you the, want the, to, positive, the positive thing, uh, Tony, is um, the positive thing is that it is such a rich uh, part of the world. China is about the same size as the United States, but it's got 1,400-plus species of bird. U.S., my North American, my field guide to the birds of North America has something like 900 birds in it. That includes U.S. and Canada, which covers an area twice the size of China. Um, it is extremely rich, even now. And what we're talking about about the coast is, in my opinion, the worst of it. So if we get the worst of it out of the way, then the other stories to tell about China are not quite as bad, although deforestation is another major problem. But anyway, it's yeah. not, the, the very biggest issue is the coast. So, and since we live in Shanghai here, I, I can't ignore it. In fact, I'm faced with it every time I go birding. But um, there are, um, you know, the, that's the worst of it. Get that out of the way, and then you can sort of say, okay, now – Let's go to those mountains just uh, 200, uh, 150 miles away from here, and you'll get well-preserved areas, 
set aside for tourism. I'm talking about the Tian Mu Mountains, just 100, 150 miles away from here. Because uh, Shanghai now has uh, money, people have money around here, the, the park authorities uh, charge a hefty fee, but they keep the place clean. It looks like a, a national park in the United States where there's garbage cans placed around uh, the roads and the areas and people pick them up and nobody cuts the forest. Nobody poaches because everybody's pretty much got enough money. They don't need to do that sort of stuff anymore. So that kind of stuff is really good. And that's not that far from here. And it's, it's, it's an, it's a window into these wonderful birds of Asia. You know, I didn't mention Shanghai is, uh, right on the border of the Palearctic and the, uh, it used to be called the Oriental region or the Indo-Malayan region. Basically, it's on the um, border of what we consider to be the northern parts of Eurasia. You know, the Palearctic stretches all the way across Eurasia to, uh, to Europe and then the Southeast Asian species. You can see birds that everybody from Europe would recognize, such as um, bramblings, you know, bramblings. But then you can also see birds that you wouldn't see unless you came to Asia, such as, uh, you know, scimitar babblers. That's all. You can see them both in one day in the Shanghai region, especially once you go inland and into the more recreational areas and the mountainous areas southwest of the city. There's much less population pressure. And in fact, what they're doing is saying, look, the populations of, of Shanghai, Hangzhou, another 10 million people, they need a place to relax. We cannot give them the coast. The coast is too important, and we've got to industrialize it, and sorry. But the mountains, uh, they are preserving much better than the coast. And there you can have quiet times in the forest. You can see wild pheasants. You can see jays, which would be typical of northern Europe. And then you can see laughing thrushes, which are typical of southern Southeast Asia in uh, one Oh, in one tree. So those, I mean, that's extremely positive. And that actually uh, makes living in Asia so interesting. You know, it makes it, uh, it balances out the, the problems and, and allows the, the true beauty of, of this area to, uh, to, to show through. And it is endlessly fascinating. That is what I tell people. I say, yeah, China has its problems, but it's never boring over here. And I'm talking about the birds. Uh, the environment has its problems, but it never ceases to be fascinating. Well, that is the way to end it with a nice positive message. And I got to say, you've been a fantastic interview. Um, I've been enthralled, and I hope the non-birders are as well, but I think they will be. We'll, we'll put a link on the on the um, yeah. um, on our website and everything, but tell them how to, how to find your blog. Um, it's Shanghai Birding, one word. Dot com. ShanghaiBirding.com, and uh, the motto of the website is Birding News from Earth's Largest City. Fantastic. I really uh, thank you so much. And you never know, I, I might make it out there, so I hope to, I hope to, I hope you can show me around Shanghai. Welcome. Oh, I would love to. I would love to, Tony. Please come. Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for checking out this episode featuring an interview between Tony and Craig Breltsford of Shanghai Birding. We hope you liked it. Again, feel free to get in touch with us at 
urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com or on Twitter, urbanwildlifecast, or find us on Facebook. Really easy uh, to find us there. Um, please let us know what you think of the podcast, any ideas you might have for future episodes or topics. Please do share the podcast if you like it with all your friends, family, anyone you know who loves nature and loves cities. And we look forward to, to talking to you soon. Thank you very much for listening.